0: Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint with me today. I'm so glad to have, as always, Jay Harvey. How you doing, Jim? I'm good, Jay. Thanks for coming alongside. And you know, Jay, I've just come back from the Holy Land. Some of our listeners have been following along with us as we have taken them to Galilee. Mm. But as we're approaching Easter, the memory that's so vivid in my head isn't just about Galilee, but it's Gethsemane, you know, the famous garden to which Jesus retreated on the night
1: before he would die. Oh, I've always wanted to know a little bit about what that place really does look like. I read about in scripture and I picture it, but obviously you have some firsthand knowledge. I'd love to pick your brain about that. Hey, thanks, Jay. When we come back, let's talk about
0: Gethsemane. And oh, by the way, we're going to be going again with a CBH group to the Holy Land in January of 2018. So Jay, think about that. And to all of you listening, think about coming with us. But for now, take a pause. We'll be right back and we'll talk about Gethsemane. As you're listening to Viewpoint today, you may have a thought or a question or a comment you want to share, and we want you to know we are always glad to hear from you 24 hours a day and 7 days a week. Just give us a call. This is the number toll-free, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. Wherever you are in the world, give us a call. I'll give you the number again at the end of the broadcast, but for now... Gethsemane. Jay, as we were talking about, I've just come back from Gethsemane, and it's actually a real place. Gethsemane is a word uh, derived from the ancient Aramaic language. That's the language of Jesus, and it actually literally means olive press. That is so fascinating. And uh, Gethsemane is a place where olive trees grow. And there is a garden of Gethsemane, a garden, a space, a grove, a kind of retreat, uh, a place outside the city walls of Jesus' time where there were these olive trees growing on the Mount of Olives. Well, <laughs> you, know, well, there you think go. Think about that. We've heard about the Mount of Olives. Well, it's called that because it's a mountain, and it was covered in Jesus' day with olive trees. Now, not so many olive trees still surviving, but there is a place down at the foot of the mountain where there are still some ancient olive trees. And this is the thing that just is so vivid in my memory, having just returned from there. The city of Jerusalem is built on a hill, and there's still an ancient walled city of Jerusalem, and you can leave that walled city, and you go down through the valley of the brook, Kidron, mm-hmm. which is a little stream, mm-hmm. cuts through, makes a ravine. You come down off the city walls down the steep ravine and then you come up the other side, which is the Mount of Olives. But before you get to the top down there, at the bottom down near the brook, there are these ancient olive trees. Is this the place to which Jesus went, famously told in the scripture, to that Gethsemane? Was it a little different part of the mountain? Not so certain, but we do know this. Some of the olive trees there on the side of the Mount of Olives down there near the foot of the mountain, some of those trees are over 2,000 years old. Wow. Did Jesus walk by them? Did he pray there? Did he stop there? Was that where he was arrested? I don't know. But if he didn't go by that tree, <laughs> he went by some just like that one. Exactly. That <laughs> they, is so exciting. I mean, it's so it... amazing to see it. And when you see an olive tree, have you ever seen an olive tree? I have not. Not No, I have not. Have I mean, you seen an olive I've seen an olive. <laughs> okay, got So we, many of olives. You know, we, we get olives and we see them in cans, and, you know, but an olive tree is a really interesting kind of tree because it's all gnarly and mm-hmm. it's got all kinds of kind of gnarly branches. It's the stuff that you'd see in a, a film that's kind of spooky a little right. bit. I mean, that's just the nature right. of it, the form of it. And these trees, especially these old ones that are hundreds of years old and sometimes a thousand or two thousand years old, I mean, they've got layer upon layer of gnarled trunk and little branches that curve out like hands. And each mm. of the hands has some leaves and things and the olives grow in that. As you get to that place, you can imagine... A city as it's become night, and across the valley, the city still has some flickering light. Maybe you hear the sound of voices far away in a world without soundproof rooms, and you've retreated to a place where it's quiet. And the sky is dark, and the stars are out, and the shadows against the evening sky. Maybe the moonlight is shining, and the shadows are these kind of grotesque forms Hmm. of the olive trees.
1: So what I'm hearing you say, if if I'm not mistaken, is when we read in Scripture and it says that Jesus went to the garden to pray, this was not a—maybe at night it wasn't such a pleasant place. Maybe it was a little spooky. Maybe it was extra dark. Maybe this was not what we would normally picture as just any old garden. Well, I think when we use
0: the term garden of Gethsemane, when we say garden— we see rows of flowers planted neatly and all kinds of sweet aromas. I don't think it was necessarily scary, because it's an ordinary part of life in that part of the world, these olive groves. And they're beautiful in their own way. But it has character. It has a little bit of drama about it. And it's a wonderful chance for anyone to go there and actually sit in those trees and imagine what that was like. But as we Describe all that. Why don't we go straightway to the text? Because the story is told in the scripture and it kind of sets the stage. And I know it's open right there before you, Jay. Let's start. In Matthew chapter twenty-six, beginning with verse thirty-six, Jesus has just had his disciples for a holiday dinner. It's the Passover feast, it's the famous Last Supper, He has shared the cup and broken the bread, He has washed their feet. They don't understand how events are moving so rapidly. He does. And after the dinner, after some of the greatest teaching that has ever been given in Mm -hmm. that upper room famously, we read that they sang a
1: hymn and they left. And then what? And then it says, in verse 36, "'Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, "'Sit here while I go over there to pray.'" He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther, talking about Jesus, and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Wow, famous phrase.
0: The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You better Mm. be praying, Peter. The scripture continues, Then Jesus left them a second time, and he prayed. My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, then your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they could not keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. Mm. I mean, in just those 5 paragraphs we have the story of the ages. Yes. When we come back Jay, let's unpack that a little bit and see what lessons we could learn from Gethsemane long ago for the Gethsemanes of our time. We'll be right back.
2: It's hard to stand on shifting sand. It's hard to shine In the shadows of the night You can't be
0: As we've read the story about Jesus and his disciples in that garden called Gethsemane, that dark night before the cross, uh, that sacred ground beneath the olive trees where Jesus is praying while his disciples sleep, I guess I have to say, Jay, one of the most stark parts of the narrative is the way in which Jesus is alert, but his disciples are exhausted. And I'm sure they were. They're physically exhausted. They're right. emotionally spent. They know something's up. They don't understand it all, but they're just drained. Right. And they just keep falling asleep. They they just can't seem to keep their eyes open, even though they're on the cusp of the crisis of all
1: history. Right, right. And And let's not forget, they had just had a meal. It was late. They didn't know exactly what was about to happen, but still, you would think that they've been with Jesus, they know something is about to happen, and yet, even though they try, they could not stay awake. And I guess that's a marker for all of us, because in life, uh, things
0: flow that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes we are oblivious to the crisis all around us. Uh, We Mm -hmm. are not in tune with just how dramatic or how important the next moment might be, and we just fall asleep. And all of us know you have to sleep. You need a good night's rest. You need to take care of yourself. Sleep is a gift from God. It's a way in which we are physically and emotionally and mentally and I think spiritually refreshed. All of that is fine. Right. But we also need to tune our hearts to be able to anticipate the moment. And in this case, the disciples are somehow a little bit out of touch with what's going on. Mm -hmm. But Jesus is right in the moment. Right. Jesus has to be exhausted, too. This is the guy who knows what's going to happen. He understands his life hangs in the balance. He knows it's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. It's going to hurt bad. Mm-hmm. He knows he's going to be put under tremendous physical strain, as well as every other kind, but he's awake. And actually, his knowledge of what is to be is what keeps him awake. And why is he awake? What's he doing? He's
1: praying. Mm-hmm. He's praying. And and he does know what is at stake as well. And I believe when we think about sleep and we think about prayer and we think about the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak, so often there are times that we do have this knowledge. We do know that we should be more alert. We should be praying. However, the sleeping or the avoiding or the changing of the subject or the acting like nothing is wrong becomes our defense. and And we forget that Prayer is a gift from God. It is, it is something that is there for us to access, even when we are fearful, uh, not knowing the future, uh, knowing that maybe something bad is about to happen if we're aware to our surroundings. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't pray. We, we can't just close our eyes and pretend that something is you know, going to turn out okay when God is calling us to pray. We need to trust God in that way and pour out our hearts to Him like Jesus did. And that's another thing
0: that just jumps off the page of me. Jesus is praying. Wait a minute. Jesus. Right, right. Jesus, the very person of God in human form. The guy who said, when you see me, you see the Father. Mm. The one that the Scripture tells us is the exact representation of God in human form. The Word, the very ideas of God become flesh dwelling among us. I mean, if
1: that guy needs to pray... I probably need to do that. Yeah, I mean, there must be something to that prayer thing then.
0: That's right. I mean, and actually, I think we sometimes talk about prayer as if it's some kind of exercise or ritual. But there is a mysterious supernatural power to prayer. Never underestimate the fact that prayer works and moves and changes outcomes and prepares and empowers in ways we cannot understand. We don't know how it works, we don't know why it works. What we do know is it's necessary to work. And Jesus got that, and we better get that too. Amen. And in the most desperate moments of his own walk in this world, Jesus is not sleeping. He is praying. Mm -hmm. And that's a lesson that we must not forget. And as Easter is coming up and we think about all the joy and wonder of the resurrection, when we think about all the blessing and promise of new life in Christ, when we think about the ways in which God works for good in this world, all of that is worth celebrating But all of that is hinged in some mysterious way Mm. on the prayer of Jesus in that garden. That's right. And notice what else happens there, Jay, as the story continues. The bad guys show up. Mm -hmm. The betrayer, and we'll talk about this next week, but you know, Judas is going to come. He pretends to be the friend of Jesus, but he's actually the bridge of handing Jesus over to his enemies. And as all of this is coming down, the disciples who've been asleep and not praying... Are going to react
1: differently than Jesus. Exactly. And that's the point that that I pick up when I read this story is so often in church where I pastor in the congregation, we talk about prayer, and just what you said, I, I... I want it to remain somewhat mysterious for people that they can't figure out why God calls us to pray so much or what will happen if you do it this way or that way. There's an element of prayer that I believe our loving Heavenly Father wants us to be in on what He is doing in the world, and He wants to share that with us. And I totally agree that uh, prayer changes things, and and it mostly changes us and our perspective. But the pushback that I get often, it comes from a place that People don't feel like they can pray. Maybe they've gotten themselves into a situation. They don't deserve to be heard, uh, don't know how to pray, or who am I to be praying to God? We must always encourage people to stand on God's Word that says we are to pray to our Heavenly Father and to open up and to cry out, uh, and we will be heard. And it's, it's something that we do in the good times, and it's something that we do as a part of life to prepare us for these times that the disciples faced in the garden. And sometimes we don't pray because we think, well, what difference does it make?
0: Exactly, Things are going to happen anyway. God has a will of his own. Maybe there's not even a God listening. And so mm-hmm. we, we just throw our hands up and think, what difference does it make? But truth be told, prayer does change outcomes. And in this narrative, you can see it straight up. And I've learned this over my own life. And Jay, you're just a young guy. But when you're <laughs> as old as I am, well, then you'll know this too. I know that when there are times when I face a crisis and I'm not prayed up, Mm -hmm. I do not react in the same healthy, constructive, and powerful ways that I do when I am prayed up just before the crisis breaks. And that's what we see here. Jesus, prayed up. Jesus, the Son of God and the Son of Man, in the night praying as others sleep, is able to cope with the terror, the threat the arrest and the assault and the betrayal. All of it's happening to him at once, but he handles himself elegantly. Hmm. He speaks the truth. He doesn't back away from the reality of what's happening, but he holds his head up high and he is an instrument of the unfolding plan of God. Differentiated from His disciples like Peter, who wake up, they're not prayed up, they pull out a sword, they cut off an ear here, they yes. slail there. Yes. None of it helps fulfill the plan of God. None of it brings any good outcome. Mm. And the difference is they weren't prayed up and that's
1: our story too yes absolutely is and i and i thank you for the compliment that i might be uh, a little bit younger than you but oh, i have al- I, I have also found the exact same thing god is most often the the most real active tangible uh, when i am in a lifestyle of prayer praying communing with god it makes me more alert to everything. And, And I recognize his hand and his work and his provision and his love and his grace in so many more places when I conduct my life with the priority in prayer. And so it's not just for the good times or the bad times. It is something that we need to take advantage of as believers as a gift so that we can continue to learn to see how he sees, hear how he hears. Because when you are prayed up, so to speak, you are seeing the kingdom as he wants it to be seen. I truly believe that. And I think there are unseen
0: realities that are altered mm, consequent yes.
1: to our diligent prayer. Yes.
0: And you know, twenty centuries have passed since these events here recorded have taken place, and I believe they are real events. But they are also emblems and lessons for us today, because all of us need to have a Gethsemane. The Gospels tell us that Jesus often went to this place to pray. Where is your Gethsemane? Mm. Where's your olive tree? Mm-hmm. How is the rhythm of your life? How do you carve out time to pray? What's the discipline of prayer in your life? Sometimes we get tired. I certainly know this. But boy, I want to make sure that I pray before I sleep. I want to wake up in the morning knowing I am prayed up and ready to go. And if there is a cloud on the horizon, if there's a storm brewing in my life, I want to be even more active praying because after all else is said and done, We cannot control our world, but we can, by prayer, Mm. work with heaven Mm -hmm. to see heaven's ends achieved, and in the end, we'll land better, and so will the world around us. This is today's lesson from Gethsemane. Mm. Now, as you're thinking about Easter coming up, it's just a few weeks away, as we're marching towards the spring of the year here in the Northern Hemisphere, at least, as the seasons are changing even in the Southern Hemisphere, maybe it's a good time just to stop and think, I need to be busy Praying. How to get started? I know. Why do you pray with us right now? You may not have experience praying. You may not think you know how, but it's real easy. All you have to do is address God and share your thoughts with Him, and then take a moment and listen back. Try it with us. Our Father, we're so thankful today that You hear us, that You know us. You can see the horizon, you see blue sky, and you see storm clouds. You know just exactly into the direction we're walking, and what we will face when we can't see it. For these reasons, Lord, and more, we want to be people of prayer. I need, Lord, to be disciplined in my prayers, Mm. and so do all those who are listening to me. I pray, Lord, that we'll all be able to identify that Gethsemane, that garden, that space in our house, that space in our backyard, that place where we go, that moment that's a part of our ordinary routine where we take time to speak to and to hear from you. And Lord, I pray that you'll especially keep us alert if there is a storm cloud brewing, because we know that the enemy of our souls doesn't rest when good things are sent our way. And so I pray, Lord, that we'll be alert, especially in those times of crisis, but that every day we'll be in sweet communication with you by prayer. I ask, Lord, that the Holy Spirit will inspire us, lead us, define us, and empower us in our prayers. And I pray for all who are praying with us right now that they will experience within the next seven days the wonder and the blessing of prayers offered now. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
3: Só... E We press on.
0: If you'd like to know more about how you can speak to God, how you can relate to God, how you can follow in the footsteps of Jesus, if you'd like to know more about the story of Gethsemane or anything else in this life or in the Scripture, well, give us a call. This is the number, once more, toll-free, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. And Jay, if someone did want to call us up, they could go online. What's that web address? Jim, that would be cbhviewpoint.org. CBH, Christians, Broadcasting, Hope. That's who we are, cbhviewpoint.org. You can read about the ministry there. You can actually see some photographs of the Gethsemane as it remains today, and you can send us an email, and we will reply. At the last, if you prefer, just send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA, But whether you call us on the phone, whether you go online, or whether you just send a letter by post, let us hear from you this week. Jay, always glad to be with you. It's great to be here. And we thank you for joining us today also. We hope you'll be with us again next week as we go back to Gethsemane because there's more story to tell, there's more life to live, there's more truth to know. Until then, for all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.